What's up, guys, and welcome back to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. I am Alex. And I'm Christina. And we are your hosts into the void. But today is episode 192, and we're going to be talking about two Bruce McDonald movies, which are one new, one new-ish within five years of the other one. And uh, if you're not sure who Bruce McDonald is, he's done plenty of movies over the years, and including one of my favorite movies, which is Pontypool. So I thought it'd be nice to kind of trek down and see some of his uh, new release movie that came out in for America just recently and it was out like a month ago everywhere else which really sucked waiting on seeing I guess you know (laughs) but we are going to be talking about today Hellions from 2015 and Dreamland from 2020 yes it's 2019 2020 whatever it was in the festival circuit but we got to see it now so there is a Dreamland from 2019 and another I know. Dreamland That's from 2020. Why I, there's two other ones. Yeah, there's like a TV one. show or something like it's that. It's confusing. Right, but they're in other countries, so they could probably get away with a little bit more. I don't know how it works. Maybe the Dreamland word is not, uh, you can't protect it. Right. You know what Which I mean? Makes it's sense. too common, I guess. Right. But yeah, so we're we're going to do a brand new episode with some newer movies, which, you know, we figured we could counterbalance all the other old movies we've been doing here a little bit. Plus, you know, we like to mix it up anyway, just watching movies as is. So mm-hmm. and I haven't done we haven't done a new fucking movie on this show for long, the podcast in a long time. Long time. I've been putting them all on the uh, YouTube recently because I just pop them out like that real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we're going to give it the BTV treatment. And for you Pontypool fans out there. You're going to want to stick around. I'll just tell you that. I won't say why, but there is something that is involved in this. So stick around. So what's going on with you? Good. How are you? Well, what is it that we were going to talk about? We planned on this. We were going to talk about doing our random not thing. Oh, which didn't work out. That's right. Yeah. Well, no, I think we'll have better luck next time now that we kind of got into the swing of it. That's right. Next time we'll have better luck. So if you guys don't know what we're talking about, there's a new application out. It's actually been around for like a year in a different name called the Phantom. The Phantom? No, it's F-A-T-U-M. Phantom Theory Mm -hmm. or the Phantom Project. That's what it is. But it's random nodding is when you basically they use a quantum computer to quantize different dots in your area for what they call attractors or voids or anomalies, which are both. And and what it does is it just picks a random location near you. And you, when you click on the app and start it up, you put in your intent. 
which is, you know, you could be like flowers. I want to see flowers. And then you go there and there's like this, maybe like a huge set of flowers. You're supposed to find some sort of coincidences or synchronicities uh, with that. And of course, being the nature of human beings, a lot of people have been wishing for things like death <laughs> and travel, which would seem pretty innocuous, but actually somebody who was doing rando nodding, where they go to this random location within a few miles of themselves. And I think it was up in Seattle or near Seattle, right? Might be. I, I don't remember where it was, but this is a documented case where somebody used this app and it's just random. Keep in mind, it's not like they knew where this was, but the idea is, is that if you put your intent into it, it'll show you things, a glitch in the matrix. Even though the company who makes rando not doesn't even agree with that sentiment, they were really just trying to get people out and about to experience things, but it's also used to say, hey, I'm willing something into existence by my mere thought and by picking a random location, rando not, then it could possibly manifest there. Like law of attraction. Right. And yeah. so these kids pick travel as their intent because you could do like happiness or sadness or spooky or death or paranormal or whatever you want really and when they picked travel they showed up at this dock and right next to the dock was a, a fucking suitcase like a luggage suitcase and inside it was a plastic bag and it stunk really fucking bad and this is real shit they opened it up with a stick or something, you know, they didn't mm -hmm. want to touch it because it stunk so bad and it washed up on the shore and they were like, OK, I don't know if we should touch this. So they called the police. Come to find out it was a human body <laughs> inside the luggage. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not funny. I don't know why I'm <laughs> sorry. God. Was that a nervous giggle? Or? Yeah, it was a nervous giggle. I always do that. And it's so inappropriate. How, it I is apologize. totally inappropriate. <laughs> I but always it's remember crazy. It. It's crazy. I know that is crazy. But there's other people that have like gone out into the middle of the woods and their intent was something paranormal or something like that. And they find this car and like, oh, yeah. remember that guy? He like hears a child. Uh huh. And then he and like, she's like, help me. And then he brought home the spirit with. Him well, hold something. on before oh, that. Sorry. But he says she's helped me and he just kind of blows it off. Like, I don't think I heard that or something. And then or then he went back. Maybe you're right. Yeah. He went back and then. It was like, hey, you want to play? Right. Like, and it was like, there was nobody around. And so he was like, what the fuck is going on? And he's like, took it back to his house, started doing Ouija board, all this crazy shit happened. I mean, whether you believe it or not, or, or it's just a coincidence, uh, you know, there is a theory uh, called synchronicity, which is a scientific thing that was actually established. I believe it was either Carl Jung or Albert Einstein or the combination of the two or something, but they uh, came up with the idea that if you have more than three coincidences happen in rapid succession within any period of time, that is called synchronicity, which means that you are on the right path or possibly on the path to something good or bad. Mm -hmm. And that it's all lining up. So I don't know. I'd find it incredibly interesting. We we actually looked into it a little bit more and decided to go out on our own rando nodding adventure. And we did the wrong part of the app. So it wasn't working properly. So we thought the app was fucked. So then I, we came home <laughs> and I was like, oh, there's another part of the screen that I was supposed to go through. And I did it. And then we went to two. Dif was it two locations? Yeah, we went to two. <clears throat> we went to two different locations and both of them we could not access. Right. Because it was on private property. Right. 
Well, we almost did, but... And we almost had a video and everything of this whole fucking thing. One of them was on a golf course, and there were people golfing in 110 degree weather. Oh, it was so hot. Yeah, and you can't just walk up when, you know... Right, plus they were, like, laying on the ground, locking legs and rubbing Corona all over their bodies, so it was really weird. They were, like, flipping us off because we had the masks. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But, yeah, we wanted to go to, and it literally pointed at... It was at the hole. The hole? What was their intent for that one? It was money. Mine was money. It was a money shot. What if there was, like, a quarter or something? Oh, a quarter. I doubt it. I mean, that's what people have found. Now, I don't think you realized, we saw a coyote while we were walking there. Right. And remember when we were watching all the random... Uh, YouTube videos and everyone said they saw wildlife when they were going to their location and to see a coyote in that part of the area in the middle of the fucking afternoon like it was a little weird I have never really been that close to a coyote but it didn't phase me because I've seen them before well yeah I thought you were scared no I wasn't scared I was pointing it out because it was a coincidence I don't know I didn't take it that way I did when was the last time you seen a coyote the thing is though is that you can find a coincidence in anything like I'm not saying like I do believe in certain things but I have to brush off a little bit because some of it is self-made that I don't brush off because some people will go oh they try to connect the dots any which way they can just like in the movie Pi where he's like Max you're not a fucking mathematician you've become a uh, whatever and if you think of numbers you'll find them in everything yeah, that know, you see but I wasn't looking for it I, I was just wanting to get the fucking hell out of there because it was fucking hot. <laughs> or like that movie number 23, remember, with uh, Jim Carrey? Yeah. He was like, she was like, three plus one plus seven and again, 20 fucking three. <laughs> but I wasn't looking for it. So. Yeah. I know, but I mean, I'm just saying, like, if you are in that mindset, you are going to actively look for it. Just like if you were actively looking for negativity so that you can, right. kinda, like, online I'm and stuff. I'm telling you. You're going to vibe off you it. You know I was not in that mindset. Right. <laughs> so... Right. Well, coyote. The coyote was there for a reason. The only thing I found strange is that the coyote talked to us for at least a half hour. <laughs> that was because we were high. Yeah, we were high on, on meth. No, we weren't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, I think it might be that time. What time is it? Horse shots! All right, guys, so as we've told you, they've got two Bruce McDonald movies. One of them is called Hellions, and in the movie, there's a scene where a pregnant girl basically eats you know, the typical pickles and, you know, usually you see pickles and ice cream or something like that, but she was taking pickles and actually doing uh, honey. honey on it with like a, like a honey spoon, which is so like, yeah, it's weird. That's nice. Like, I was this, like, is that what that's used for? It was a, yeah. It was a honey spoon. I never really, but it's also a measure a spoon or whatever. But anyway, she pours honey on the pickle and then pours salt on top of the honey on the pickle and then eats it and that's like her snack that fits her cravings i guess as a pregnant, pregnant woman yeah cravings, yeah because it's always pickles with pregnant Which, like, that was a little right? weird because it seemed kind of fast for her to just jump into that in the movie but whatever for the sake of the movie we decided that that was going to be that our was shot, the shot. <laughs> yeah so we came up with blood for baby which is what's what they say in the movie for a lot of the times, and it's really creepy. Mm-hmm. But there's a specific scene in this movie that I will not spoil for you, that if you've seen the movie, is pretty gross, and it's pretty great at the same time. Uh, it involves her in a mirror. I'll, that's all I'll say. 
but so what is in a blood for baby? Well, we actually took Jack Daniels Tennessee honey. You pour that in a shot. Of course, you're going to want to rim this shot first with salt. So all you have to do is real simple. Just fold up a towel like a paper towel, wet it, set it on the counter, rub the top of your shot glasses with the wetness of the towel, dip it in salt around the rim, and you got your fucking rim salt right there. Then you pour in your Tennessee honey, and then you're going to grab a pickle, which we have two here. We don't have the like full pickles, you know, like she did in the movie, but we have pickles nonetheless. So if you can find the little gherkins, you can do those too. Um, but yeah, so we're going to do the shot right now and we'll also do it on Friday because it seems like people have been really enjoying us. I don't know why. Yeah, I feel like shots. such an idiot when I do them. I don't know why. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so we're going to shoot it and then take the pickle bite afterwards. Make sure you get some salty rim, you know? Everybody loves a nice rim. You done? <laughs> Are you done? Uh, I could keep going if you want. <laughs> you ready? Okay. Yeah. All right. Eat the pickle. My water. <laughs> Look, we're not Bartistas, guys. Okay, I'll finish the rest of my oh, shot. <laughs> did I guilt you into it? Yeah. It's not good with the pickle. <laughs> she was like a champ last time on Friday last week. I have to. We're in front of the camera. Ah, that's the that's the key, guys. Back, back here, I can hide. <laughs> <laughs> And half the time, you don't even see me. <laughs> well, I saw you this time. Drink it up. Eat your pickle. It's not that bad. It's not as bad as what she ate in the movie. That's true. You know what I mean? Well, I don't know. I've eaten that before. Ew. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> She's out of control. <laughs> anyway, guys, if you would like to try a blood for baby, all you have to do is go to longlivethevoid.com and check out our hashtag horror shot section now. That's it for horror shots. All right, guys. So now we're going to jump into our flesh and potatoes <laughs> of Hellions from 2015 and Dreamland from 2020. Right now. Alright guys, so we're back and we are ready to drop some hot, sweet, sexy Bruce McDonald knowledge on you right now. Who's <laughs> I'm sorry, Bruce. <laughs> and I'm sorry, Tony, if you hear this. <laughs> Go ahead. Alright. A teenager must survive a Halloween night from hell when evil trick-or-treaters come knocking at her door. Evil. <laughs> Tagline. <laughs> I don't know why we find that so funny. I don't know why either, but thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. That's what I do. <laughs> Tagline for this movie is, this Halloween, hell comes knocking. Hell comes knocking. On the vagine? <laughs> what? Ew. That's what it's oh, about, right? Oh, I guess right? it would be, huh? All hell right. comes a slapping. <laughs> to, re 
Directed by Bruce McDonald. Mm -hmm. Of course, he did Pontypool. Right. Dreamland, which we're going to review next. Mm -hmm. He also did... He's done a lot of work, actually. Yeah, he did Weirdos, and then he's done a lot of TV, including uh, Dark Matter. Howlmouth as well, which is another Stephen McCaddy movie that we should watch. Oh, okay. I've seen it before, and I want to collect it. It's a weird little artsy film that they did mostly all green screen. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool stuff, though. I like it. It's kind of like a fable of a guy going down to hell. Oh, okay. It's pretty cool. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Uh, this is written by Pascal Trottier. Um, he also did a Christmas horror story. and uh, Oh, he did one of the segments in yeah, there. Yeah, he did one okay. of the segments in there. And he also did The Colony. Okay. And this movie stars Chloe Rose, who plays Dora. She was also in Dark Matter, the TV show that mm -hmm. Bruce McDonald directed. He did like five episodes, right? Right. But she is mostly known for her work in Degrassi, The Next Generation. Okay, Rachel Wilson plays Kate, the mom. She was in The Tall Grass, that movie on Netflix. I like that movie. Mm -hmm. um, she was also in Saw, The Final Chapter, and The Glass House. Rosef Sutherland, who plays Dr. Henry. He was in Dead Before Dawn 3D from 2012, <laughs> and he's done a lot of TV shows. I also want to mention Peter DeCuna, who plays Remy, the little boy. Mm -hmm. He was in 12 Monkeys, the TV show Rain, that Bruce McDonald had also directed. Um, he was Danny in the Triple X anthology. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Remember the little boy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's such a forgettable franchise, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's silly there's fun, a, but... weird ones in there. Um, uh, also, Robert Patrick, who pl he plays Officer Coleman. Of course, Terminator 2. And I also forgot he was in the Faculty movie, which we should watch someday. All right. Couldn't find a budget on this movie, but I did. F it did say the cumulative gross box office was about $15,000. Right. It didn't get a wide release at all. Right. But it did get uh, video sales was 25000 Okay. Yeah. It's it it's a, it's kind of a relatively unknown movie, but it was in the festival circuit there for a little while in certain mm -hmm. places. I think in like Fantasia and some other fucking places. I can't remember. Was this your first time seeing the movie? No. I've seen this probably. I think this is my second time seeing this. So mm -hmm. I. I knew about this movie and I knew that, you know, some people like it, some people don't, but... And what, what are your thoughts? I think this is actually a pretty good movie. Like, my official second time watching it, like I mentioned, second time was much better, too, which I'm glad to report because I remember saying that when we were watching the movie. I was like, this is so much better than I remember. Mm -hmm. I didn't dislike it the first time, but it must have somehow faded in my memory a little bit. I think it was because the ending is not as complete mm -hmm. as some people prefer. And I'm just, was your expectation very high because you just love Right. It. I'm a huge Pontypool fan, so it's not as good as Pontypool, which is, I think, one of my most favorite films of recent date. Um, I, I know some people aren't fans of that, but I have so much respect for him and Tony for making that movie and everybody that was involved because, I don't know, there's just something about it. But Hellions is still kind of a cool little uh, spin on different story by different writer than Tony. Um, I don't know. Maybe if you don't like Pontypool, you might like this better. You know, it doesn't answer all your questions. So either case, you're going to be treated to some weird otherworldly hellions that will take you to places of super creepy children and just weird occurrences with some artistic choices. I think it's got it's not going to answer all of those questions that you have by the end of the movie outright. It definitely has a 
kind of a message in there, but also kind of blurs the line as to which side it stands on. And I don't want to spoil that for you, but some people find it to be sort of an anti-abortion ad. Some find it to be pro-choice, pro-life. It's kind of up in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, it's about a teenage girl who's in love and suddenly finds out she's pregnant. She's a teenager, so it's Halloween. And suddenly after finding out, she gets visited by some pretty creepy children and her whole world is turned upside down. Plus, the music in it is pretty damn good and creepy. I really like that. I thought it was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. I thought it was better than I would have expected from this movie even, almost, you know? Right. Like, it's a really good score, and I didn't look up who the who the person who made it was, but they did a really good job. Right. I think it's good. It almost kind of reminds me of, like, a Guillermo del Toro f- film. Like the music wise there, uh, like, you know, sort of children singing, being kind of demonic and la, 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 la. <laughs> um, but there's some weird moments in the film that I really adore uh, where you aren't sure what's real. And it sort of doesn't follow the same rules of a movie and more of a dream or a bad trip, which seems to be kind of a thing with Bruce McDonald and mm-hmm. and also Tony Burgess a little bit. Kind of like to break the rules a little bit. And I'll get into that more on the next movie we talk about. But Bruce McDonald likes to call this more of a fever dream, which mm-hmm. is kind of a, ch- a choice that some directors make. They Lynch or Cronenberg, who are really going for that vibey thing. Now, is Bruce McDonald the next David Cronenberg or Lynch? I don't know. Right. But he's passionate about it. And he likes that kind of mysterious filmmaking, mm-hmm. which I kind of adore a little bit. And th- and I think that's a good or a bad thing for a movie because it's good because you see a lot of trippy shit. It's bad because it doesn't necessarily conclude for some people. So it's really up in the air whether or not you like this kind of film because it does it need to be concluded for you or not. Some movies I get highly offended by not concluding, <laughs> uh-huh. but others I don't. And I don't know what it is that makes that difference and that separation. I think it's the kind of the treats that are sprinkled in along the way, along the path, the weird elements that they throw in. If it's this, you know, blue balls all the way up to the end and there's no real fucking ending. Yeah, I'm not going to fucking like I'm going to be upset. No, we're not going to mention the name. <laughs> OK. <laughs> I know people get upset about that. They get triggered. Um, But this is one that you're okay with the ending. Right, because because... the nuggets are good. Uh But I can't help but wish for just a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not a perfect film. It's still pretty intense sometimes with decent to good acting, so it's played straight. The Hellions are pretty awesome. It has some unsettling visuals and sound. It's got some cool, like, uh, lore in it that, that they do things with it that are kind of like old world sort of pagan traditions and stuff like that that I like. Plus, you got... Uh, Robert Patrick in this movie, which is kind of a nice touch to see him in. He's been in a lot more indie uh, genre films as of late and horror in particular. Um, It's just enough to make you wonder what the fuck is going on and be interested in the movie. Like I said, it doesn't conclude somewhat and it does have fun things in there as well. So I would have to give this one a seven, maybe even a 7.5 because I'll definitely watch this again. And I think it's worth a watch or, or a rewatch. So what did you think though? This is your first time, right? Yeah. It's my very first time. I I liked it. I thought it was okay. Um, I loved how it was, it was done during Halloween because I love anything that has to do with Halloween. Right. This one we have to write down for our lists when we do our movies. The cinematography was great for a low-budget movie. And it, like you said, I enjoyed the score as well, and the acting was decent. Okay. 
Um, it is a weird artsy movie. Um, Not too artsy, though. Uh, well, a little bit. And I thought it kind of overshadowed the storyline. It's got some symbolism, some precognitive symbolism. Right. But there really isn't any, like, coherent plot. Okay. You don't think? It, no. Any? Uh, well, it's just not. It's a little loosey goosey on that. Goosey. It's not a hundred percent, especially towards the end, because you don't know about the kids. You don't know where they came from. You don't know why. You don't know. We kind of know why they're there, but the ending, like, still made no sense. I felt like it wasn't balanced well. I almost feel like it was like it was like in her mind, like a nightmare that she's having about be- having a child, which I could. I could see that. Well, we'll get into the specifics a little bit. I'm not spoiling anything. I do have some theories towards the end that I'll go through later. Right. We'll do that right out of the way on the, uh, the, uh, before we get into our scenes after the trivia. Right. But I thought it was a fairly decent movie. I wouldn't mind watching it again just so I could just see if I missed something Mm -hmm. or maybe I'll, I would have a better understanding if I saw it again. So I did give it a seven out of 10. Really? Like you. Yes, I did. Look at you. You Look at me. Look at me. Um, I think once you start to see more and more movies than you realize, you kind of get a better understanding of your, your rating, huh? What? Um. No, I, I rate it on... Well, you're okay. relatively no. new at rating and reviewing. Yeah, and I, I hate rating, and I still hate rating, but it's I, very simple for me. Will I watch this again? If I watch it, if I think I'll watch it again, then that's where my... Right. I don't care about other people's ratings as far as like... Right. I just look at it as like, where does it sit in mine? But yeah, right. I don't know. I think it's a good movie, and I think you should check it out. I think it's worth a watch. It's not going to be your favorite movie ever. Maybe it will. I don't know. But I, <laughs> I think it's pretty fun ride. It's more of a ride than it is like a, um, I don't know. It's got a message, but it's not like that deep. Right. You know, it's pretty surface for the most part, and you can kind of take from it what you want, so... But we do have some trivia on it, and I think we'll go into that right now. So if you haven't seen the movie, unfortunately, it's not up for any streaming service or anything like that. So we picked ours up for $3 and HamiltonBook.com. Oh, okay. So I got a copy that came with the slipcover. It doesn't have any really extra features or anything on there, really, like a theatrical trailer and like mm-hmm. something else. I don't know. But you can pick it up there for three bucks, have it delivered to you for, you know, I think I think you have to buy like $20 worth of stuff before they do free shipping. I think it's 25 They got cheap stuff, though. Dude, there's so much on there that you could like pick up and like you would easily spend $30, no problem. Right. That's like 10 movies right there. Right. <laughs> Some are like five or six, but, you know, we've gotten cl- complete sets. Like we got that fucking The, the strain, strain for like eight bucks or something like that. I don't know. Anyway. But yeah, if you want to rent it too, it's probably up on any of your digital platforms or whatever that you want to get it there. I think it's cheaper just to pick it up. I think it's worth three bucks, don't you? Yeah, I do. Instead of renting it? Yeah. Which is like four or five. I know exactly. Um, But if you've not seen this movie and you don't want anything spoiled, we're going to get into our trivia and then our spoilers and kind of talk about our theories on this movie. So here's your warning. So some of the trivia... I found I was interested in the in the whole thing where they did with the salt and the and the kids because mm-hmm. I thought it was awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that they melted. <laughs> yeah. When she threw it on him, and she even used it in buckshot. Right. She emptied out the shotgun shells and put like uh, bath salts in the fucking <laughs> shotgun shells and shot it at the kids, which is pretty great. Mm-hmm. I thought it was awesome, and then they melt on the floor and like fall apart and shit which is pretty great but they've used it in the show supernatural a lot too including shotgun salt rounds Mm -hmm. and it's even a real thing in real life where people say if you fill it with salt rock salt Mm -hmm. it's less deadly 
uh, and and causes people to warn, you know, to get the fuck off your property. Mm-hmm. But at close range, apparently, at 10 feet away, <laughs> you can murder somebody. Well, so it's not a perfect thing. I'm sure with anything. Right. <laughs> it's still said. hard. It's going to yeah. fucking enter the body. Rubber bullets. I mean, yeah. yeah. You're not supposed to use it at close range, but at long range, you could use it and it would... Mm-hmm. It would pierce the skin but not kill anybody. Mm-hmm. So, but it would still take out an eye and all this other shit. <laughs> right. But it's interesting that sh- that Supernatural, the show Supernatural, used that same exact thing. And I thought Hellions was like super original with it, and, it, it? and they weren't the only ones. I mean, it's been done before. Right. But they used, you know, what like Super Soakers with holy water and fucking yeah, Lost Boys. Oh, Lost yeah. Boys. Yeah. Remember? And then they did it in um, Dust Till Dawn. Dust Till Dawn. I was saying Dead by Dawn in my head. I don't know why. I was like, that's not right. I think they also did it in Hellboy too. Did they? They I don't they used like he, his rounds in, in the comic book. I don't know 100 percent because I never read a bunch of it, but I think he did use different rounds mm-hmm. for different spirits and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, but they're in the movie. They also use this sort of uh, purplish color. It almost looks like it's night vision, mm-hmm. but it's like lit up. Like so, the sky is kind of purple, and the trees kind of look like purple pink. Right. It's pastel. Yeah, it's like, it's like a, a, a pink Halloween. sky or something. It's, it's kind of an interesting choice that they did, but that's that's done with an infrared camera, by the way, guys. Oh. And they did that to be kind of like insinuate that the main character is in a nightmare. Oh, okay. And it's kind of symbolizing you're a part of her nightmare of that part. So okay. it kind of makes sense, right? I think it goes back to what I was saying about how she ate a rotten pickle. Oh, I think that's pretty ridiculous. But <laughs> I mean, it's possible. And she started hallucinating. <laughs> Has anybody ever eaten a rotten pickle? I <laughs> know. I mean, maybe, I guess. That's kind, of, kind of a weird... Uh, well, you see, kids, she ate a rotten pickle. And that's the lesson about gherkins. <laughs> So make sure you mind your pickles. <laughs> Don't they sit on the shelf for like years? Yeah, they do. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> like, the, it's like purse. I don't know. Anyway, Bruce McDonald also knew the director, uh, Chloe Rose, since she was seven years old. Oh, really? Yeah. But she tried out just like everybody else mm-hmm. and she won everybody else over before oh. he could even tell them. Oh, well, that's good. So it wasn't like some sort of favoritism or anything like that. Mm-hmm. He was just like. She did a good job. She did. a. I think she did a great I job. Too. I she kind of has that like nine. This movie feels like a 90s yeah, movie in some totally regards. Does the combat boots, like the way she was dressed. Yeah. The and I don't know if that's maybe like the art directions, like personal choice, you know. Oh, this is a teenage girl. This is a rebellious teenage girl. Right. Yeah. Because nowadays. The, the the like on her own kind of like individual individualism is not a big popular thing like it was for us in the 90s right. like in the 90s individualism and being your own personal gothic whatever alternative self was like a huge plus nowadays if you are those kind of people you're like weird because you're not following the pack you know what i mean like these days it seems yeah it's different so it's just it felt a little it's, like that yeah I don't know. But Bruce McDonald, he knew her. She earned it all by herself as the lead. He had nothing to do with her getting in there. Just happened to be a coincidence. Mm -hmm. So, but Bruce also said that the people draw very many different comparisons to this movie. As I mentioned, you know, some people think it's a pro-life movie. Some think it's a pro-choice movie. He even said Robert Patrick came to him and was like, oh, I see what this movie is. It's, you know, it's a pro-life movie. And he's like, well, I kind of thought it was a pro-choice. Uh, I thought it was just a somebody wants her fucking baby movie. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> like, creepy. Yeah. 
And Pat, Robert Patrick said, well, you're Canadian, so, you know, well, you would say that. <laughs> <laughs> so they both had a good laugh at it because they're very different. But they also, it's like Bruce thought it was cool that, that people could get both concepts from the movie mm-hmm. in that regard. Like, so, but that's pretty much it for trivia. There's, there's other stuff, but I just, those are the things that I found pretty interesting in interviews and things like that. So mm-hmm. did you, did anybody explain the ending? <laughs> no, of course not. And, and it's not a popular enough movie for them people to, to see like, you know, right. Ending explains and all this other stuff It's a very uh, niche film, a small film, mm-hmm. indie film, you know, mm-hmm. but because I'm a Pontypool nut, that's why it was right. like first up on my list. I'm like, Oh yeah, I gotta watch this. It's as it came out you know mm-hmm. so um so what are your theories on it well i was thinking because I, I kind of or was re- the pickle the rotten pickle well, one the rotten pickle one was <laughs> one of them that she was tripping because everything went to shit when she started eating the pickles right am i, I wrong yes you know so she could have ate it and then passed out who knows the mom could have soaked those pickles in acid you don't know you don't know if she took that much acid hell yeah that would be a bad that would be a bad trip for sure but I was trying to think how like, wet they were. Like, no, holy what? shit. No, I was trying to think about the, the children, the hellions. And I'm like, well, why? What? Like, they've never explained where they came from, what was going on. And recently I listened to conspiracy theories about changelings and the myths about changelings, which doesn't completely explain it because it says chain. You know what changelings yeah, are, Yeah, changelings. Right? Yeah. Change, changelings. Yeah. You're like changelings. <laughs> Like, <laughs> changlings, chang, no, chang, it's changelings. See, I was saying it right, and now I can't say it right. That's in a lot of different folklore. Like, it I think is. it's in Ireland, it's in Scotland, it's in, and it's a child they believe have been secretly substituted by fairies mm-hmm. for their parents' real child. Right, like if in- you've seen the movie Hole in the Ground. Oh, is that, that is a movie? I've never seen that. That is a movie like that. Well, there's that. a movie called Changeling, too. That guy who's doing the hole in the ground is doing the new Evil Dead movie. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, he's doing Evil Dead that. Rise, I Wait. believe. Oh, oh, Rise. I think in that's the one rise. I'm thinking of, or maybe I'm getting it mixed up. But oh, yeah, it's the hole yeah. in the ground director who did that movie, which is actually a solid eight. I think mm-hmm. I gave it an eight mm-hmm. when I saw it. It's, it's, it's good. It's just, it's not enough to make it amazing. You right. know, it's just a good solid film. But, uh, yeah, is, did they mention anything about salt in Changelings? Uh, no, not really. But in one of the, the story myths I've heard, they did put salt around to protect themselves, which right. is common. Because it's used to, like, block out evil spirits. Right. And, like, keep a, keep like, it, don't break the circle. Yeah, you, or you put it at your doorstep. Right. And it keeps the evil out. Kind of what, what they, they kind of made a different version of that in Demon Knight, you know, when they right. use the blood of Christ across the, <laughs> right. the doorways. I wish I could give myself some blood of Christ. <laughs> I could put that, I'd drink that shit. <laughs> what? Oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you would be protected. Oh, wait, I do. I do drink blood Which of Christ. they ripped wine. off in the movie The Nun oh, yeah. from Demon Knight. <laughs> right. Yeah, so. Exactly. Uh, but anyway, my theory is this. Can I... Are you done? Oh, yeah, or? I'm done. Okay. So my theory is is that... I mean, it's it doesn't really excuse the salt thing. I don't know why that's in there. It might just be because it's demonic hellions, you know, mischief right. makers, whatever. Demonic hellions. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, that's where the, the, the terminology comes from, is that right. these kids cause mischief. Right. But they take it an nth degree more, you know, by making them demonic in some way. So that's probably where the song comes from. But I also think this is kind of a movie about, like, the fear of having a child. Because in the movie, they talk about blood for baby and we're coming for your baby. And it's almost like, you know, you have to give up your life for your child. Like all of your goals and things that you want to do because you have to be there for your child. Uh And so in the mind, when you're pregnant, you're like, oh, fuck, this is the kind of thing that's going on in your mind. Do you abort the child or do you have the child to give it life? It's this internal struggle that people deal with. And this is kind of like that in-between nightmare world Mm -hmm. where people are thinking about that. That's deep, dude. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's just kind of like how I, that's how I thought of it though. Like, cause like the kids grow up and they, they basically take from you. You know, I'm not trying to say like kids are bad or anything like that, but I'm just saying like, if you look at it the very rudimentary like way, like you have to give up everything that you care about so that you can do that for your child. You have to like, you know, be there for them and they suckle off you like, you know, (laughs) And they may take from you. And so in someone's mind, they may see that in some way, like giving up their life, which they talk about. We're going to take the baby and the baby's going to live. So we're taking your life. Yeah. Right. So it's almost like you have to give up your life. Does that make sense? It makes sense. But I think it's a little too deep. And she ate a rotten pickle. Okay. Well, I think that's too. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I was going to say. So can we talk about some of the funny scenes in this? Yes. Because, like, we don't want to go over the whole thing like we would, like, an 80s film. So bad it's good film. But um, what did you, first of all, let me me mention this. When she finds out that she's pregnant, the doctor she meets up with is really young. I didn't think so. I thought so. I felt like. I don't know. I kept looking at his ears because I was like, what the hell is wrong with his head? He's got elf ears on because it's Halloween. Oh, okay. Now it all makes sense. Really? Yeah. I didn't think that because I was like, why didn't he have his ears when he came over to the house later? Because he had these weird fucking ears. Wasn't the the front nurse or whatever like dressed up too? Like weren't they all dressed up? I don't remember. Pretty sure. Okay. Well, that explains that. But but after she found out she was pregnant, one of the scenes I really like is all of a sudden she's she's in the bathtub with the salt. She's in the salt bath, right. like sitting there thinking. And then I'm like, oh, my God, she's going to self-abort that baby. Why? Because you because that's how you usually go in a hot bath. Right. And you. Oh, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. You grab a coat hanger. Sure. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> that's what was... is that what it is? You light <laughs> some I, candles. That's and... what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's where this movie was going to go. Some pro-life person is like, fuck this podcast. <laughs> I'm fucking done. <laughs> yeah, because I'm sure so many pro-life people listen I to the I kept the coat hanger and I, I put it up in a picture frame. <laughs> <laughs> but when she was in the bath, it did like turn bright and stuff. Right. So, so fuck you. I don't know. I mean, it was interesting. She was having visions when all this was happening. It was almost like she was thinking about the worst case scenario. So maybe she was thinking about like it it dying and she had like a moment of clarity where she she didn't want it to die. You Mm -hmm. know, it's that constant struggle of do I want it to live or die? Mm -hmm. You know, and by the end, technically, they she wants it to die, (laughs) but they don't really explain what the fuck happens. We'll get into that in a little bit. Right. But yeah, she goes home. Her mom and her brother go out to go trick or treating. And is her dad the cop or is he just a no, friend? He's just a friend. Okay. 
Because remember, towards the end, it showed his wife and da da da. Well, he called her baby doll or some shit like that. So yeah, I was like, that's kind of weird. Because he's a perv and he's a cop and fuck the police. Oh my God, Christina. <laughs> that's why. Yeah, all of them. Uh, she calls, but she does call 911 because there's some weird shit because these kids like show up to ask for candy. The first time, it's just one kid. He shows up, doesn't say a fucking word, and she's like, rude, and gives him candy anyway and shuts the door. And then they come back, and it's like two of them, and all the pumpkins that they had on the porch were like destroyed and smashed. And she's like, did you do that? And then he grabs her stomach and says, we're waiting for baby, or something like that. And it's Uh like blood on her shirt. Yeah, puts a bloody handprint on her. Right. And then the third time they show up again and she's like freaked out and she looks in the fucking bag and it's like a fucking her boyfriend's decapitated head. (laughs) And that's when she freaks out, calls 911 and the storm kicks up out of nowhere inside and outside. And like all of a sudden the sky's like purple. And the house is shaking. Right. It's like an earthquake. So she's freaking out running around the house her doctor tries to come over because she called him too and was panicking or whatever the one that told her she's pregnant because she was having stomach pains and she didn't know what was going on she called him first right and then the right and then he shows up and he's like bleeding up against the window talking about they're everywhere or something like that and he gets in and like the little creepy kid chucks pumpkins through the windows and they like end up hiding in the basement but the the doc is like all of a sudden this is the weird part he's like you're four months pregnant she was like i just found out i was pregnant how can that possibly be you said i was two days pregnant Right. And he's like, I don't know. I don't understand. It's because you ate a rotten pickle. Yeah, because that's what happens. When you're... <laughs> Sorry. You, See, you now, exce- now it all makes sense. Do you understand how rapidly you're growing and you're still trying? I think it's kind of like when you're deciding whether or not you want to have this happen or not or not have it happen or whatever. Isn't the four month mark the cutoff date? Cutoff I think time? so. I think so that might that be very trimester. poignant, you know? Right. That might be intentionally done. Oh. Like it might okay. have snuck up on her and she's like, oh, I should have fucking done this when I could have or didn't, you know, abortion wise. I don't know what the, you're a woman, so you tell me. I don't know. I think it's four months. It might be two. I don't remember. I don't remember either. But it doesn't matter because she might was be there, different up in Canada too. She, she was there that day and she was only two days pregnant. So she did rapidly grow like in Snatchers, um, like it's an alien baby because it's a hellion baby. While they come through and brash through the door and she escapes up the laundry chute, um, she throws like a bunch of kitchen stuff at one of them upstairs and like mm-hmm. throws salt on it and it burns the little kid and it screeches and melts and stuff. That was a cool scene. Yeah, it was like. <laughs> only a little higher pitched i think <laughs> you did a good job yeah no no uh voice uh mechanics of all it's it it all you um but that's when robert patrick shows up what do you think of his performance in this movie did it really matter or was I it i don't think it mattered he's okay i mean like it wasn't like i liked seeing him in it right but it didn't it wasn't like a standout role right i mean he was just a cop they had some cool moments with him though where he was like talking to her and he's talking about blood for baby uh-huh. and he's talking about his ex-wife he's like this happened before and it's for blood for baby <laughs> and they just kind of do it like low-key mm-hmm. like so that it's like you're in this nightmare and he's not really there right and she's really just dreaming this up because she's worried about you know what she's gonna the, do with the baby right exactly which um, is weird it, it the, makes you think was the doctor real in the th- was right the well i think everything from the point when the storm happened is is or maybe dreaming. i don't know who knows 
And then she just like ends up in the hospital. Maybe she's looking at the kids that come up to the to the door as versions of her own child, and she doesn't want to have a demon. But don't forget, she saw that kid before she went in the bath. She was looking at him on the the second story, and she saw him standing in the street. Remember? Right, but I'm just saying, like maybe when she sees regular kids, oh, she's, she's thinking of them as this problematic kids that she doesn't want to have, and that's uh-huh. part of that back and forth she's having but when the screen changes the purple is when it really changes to the nightmarish world Uh she can't see anything but the nightmare at this point okay that makes sense do you know what i mean with with tiny nuggets of clarity and thrown in yeah or safety or false security with like the police officer showing up and getting yoinked up into the fucking attic and shit oh my god (laughs) do you remember when he gets yanked up he was like oh my god are they aliens now like what's going on and he still lives or doesn't like you don't know yeah he comes back because she has he has to lead her to the house because he was talking about how this happened to his wife right and then, and then they end up at the wife's at the old house or something, which was weird again. I thought that was a cool scene with the doctor because you know that the doctor dies, but then all of a sudden he's just sitting in a chair. <laughs> and he has a pumpkin on his head. Right. Or his neck <laughs> because he pushes it like Robert Patrick pushes it with the gun uh-huh. and it just falls <laughs> over. Thing, that was awesome. Yeah. I want one of those. I'm going to make one of those for the front and, porch for Halloween. And it was talking to them, too. So it was mm-hmm. cool. Like it was, in his voice. Yeah. And then they keep going back and forth to this vision of her tied to a tree stump with the hellions or screaming mm-hmm. blood for baby repeatedly. And that's when you were talking about Robert Patrick showing back up. Mm-hmm. The cops show up on Tizer, scaring off the little fuckers and they go through this forest together. But Mike, the cop, finds his old house like front door in the middle of the woods for no reason. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, my God my house and she's like no don't go in there because <laughs> you can only see the like the, the pathway and the stairs and the door mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool I love yeah. shit like that yeah that was it's, cool it's very um channel zero esque yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking um or just what do you call it what do they call those twilight zone creepy pasta oh, very okay. creepy pasta stuff yeah same thing <clears throat> but they go in and mike the the cop guy is holding a baby saying it's a beautiful baby boy but it looks like a fucking wormy cthulhu looking baby or something with like one eye and a sucker <laughs> an anteater i'm like kick it <laughs> i wanted one i'm like i want one but then she like wakes up in the pumpkin patch and all the pumpkins start exploding that was cool i thought that was cool it was just weird was original i've never seen that before she takes uh, refuge in a barn and starts cutting out her fucking stomach but you hear the hellions and the na 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 uh-huh. music going on and she starts it's it's like she takes a scythe and cuts open her belly and she's just constantly stabbing it and like more pumpkins are blowing up outside and then that's when she wakes up because in the very beginning of the movie it starts off with her in a hospital walking to something and putting her hand up and you wonder what the fuck they're talking about but then she goes to at the end of the movie she's at the hospital doing the same scene again and she walks up to what you thought was a baby Thing. What's it called? Um, in the hospital where they have the babies in the window? A kennel. A baby a kennel. kennel. <laughs> you know, everybody knows. Throw a little bit so of kibble common. on the ground. They, they eat at in their... In the hospital where they have all the babies and it's behind yes, glass. Yes, a baby ward. Yeah, but it's like... 
how like they didn't even show which one was her baby so it's like are one of those her baby like what's going on and why would she have her baby at two days like well she spent it was four months and like a couple hours so i mean like she probably had the baby and that was her giving birth to the baby and then she actually and then you hear the voice like the same weird creepy voice saying dora can you hear me which i thought was the baby talking to her like are she still in the nightmare like i don't know what the fuck is happening i don't know what the fuck happened kind of a weak ending a little bit yeah but it also kind of leaves it for the imagination for those types who like to imagine what might what happen happened, which i don't know what you would think that, i don't understand i'm just saying like, like i okay. mean it's it's not it's not a perfect movie but you thought you know. she had a full grown baby in two days okay <laughs> i don't know i don't know maybe it's all in her head and she's still dreaming her and the second movie would be like her living with the child and then she wakes up and she's kissing her boyfriend outside the tree like in the first movie <laughs> oh my god i die it's like don't kiss or you'll get pregnant <laughs> Anyway, we do have another Bruce McDonald movie that we're going to be talking about that just came out. It's called Dreamland. And we're saying for the sake of this, to make it easier and less confusing, it came out in 2020. Right. And it's about on the night of the strangest wedding in cinema history, a grotesque gang boss hires a stone cold killer to bring him the finger of a fading drug addicted jazz legend. Yeah, which is weird. Yeah, it's weird. And that is also the tagline for the movie. <laughs> that whole thing I just said. Really? Yeah. And it said it in two different places I looked, so okay. Of course, we said this movie is directed by Bruce McDonald. It was written by Tony Burgess, who also wrote Pontypool. Booyah. He's also done Satan Rings. Mm-hmm. Also, he has done acting. He was an actor in The Horde and in The Executioners. Yes. Which sounds like... Which is another Bruce McDonald movie that he did. Oh, yeah. that's right. Also written by Patrick Whistler. Mm-hmm. He's done Creeped Out and the TV show Cardinal. I think Creeped Out is another Bruce McDonald movie, too. Oh, is it? oh yeah. there you go. This movie stars Stephen McHattie. Booyah. Who plays Johnny Deadeyes and the trumpet player. Right. Of course, he was in Pontypool, a movie I did not realize he was in. He was in Watchmen. Yes, he is the older version of, uh can't think of his name, but yeah, he was the older version of the owl or whatever. Right. He was also in Shoot 'em Up. And like we mentioned earlier, The Strain, he was Vaughn in The Strain TV show. Right. Which I also forgot. And he was in Hellmouth and plenty of other movies. Yeah, lots of He's movies. He's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Also starring Henry Rollins, mm. who plays Hercules. If you did not know, he was in the band Black Flag and the Henry Rollins band. Right, of course. I'm a liar! <laughs> 90s extreme. Exactly. He was also in Johnny Mnemonic. Yep. <laughs> Crazy sci-fi movie where he only has, what is it? 25 megabits <laughs> of memory that was good <laughs> which is like memories. was gigantic apparently back then he's like i've got 25 gigs of memory and we're like now everybody's got like 200 gigs minimum in their computers <laughs> really dated also uh juliet lewis who plays the Ca- countess was mm-hmm. in natural born killers cape fear dust till dawn which we mentioned earlier mm-hmm. and um what's eating gilbert grape Lisa Huell, who plays Lisa, she was in Pontypool. Right. This is a reunion, by the way, for people in Pontypool, because you have Bruce, Tony Burgess, Stephen McHattie, and Lisa Huell, or Huell, um, all together. Do you know the budget for this movie? I could find No it. clue. No. Oh, okay. What do you think of this movie? No, what did you think of oh, this movie? I dig it. <laughs> 
Um, just like Hellions, this one is artsy, but it's more out art house ish, mm-hmm. and it's a little bit more trippy. Because you have no idea what's going on. Right. Like, you have no idea. Fever dream extreme. Extreme. (laughs) 90s extreme. (laughs) Surge. Um, Steve McHattie was amazing in this. Mm -hmm. But I did not like him doing the dual roles because he played two different people. Did you think they were distinct enough? I felt they were distinct enough, but it kind of took away from the plot i found it to be disruptive mm-hmm. uh, because it made me want to think it's the same person but it it was just confusing because it, it didn't really pan out yeah, like it to did, explain it, itself yeah in my head right okay so that's fine. probably just me uh the plot was slow um but i know it was slow because of all the artsy stuff they were trying to add to it right um but for having such an awesome cast it really lacked interest to me Okay. Um, but I would watch it again so I could, like Hellions, you know, I'd watch it again so I could, now that I get a feel for it since I've watched it, if I watched it again, I might like it more. Mm-hmm. But I only gave it a five out of ten. Really? Okay. Yeah, so average. It's like, yeah, it was a little slow for me. You okay. know, everybody yeah. knows I don't like slow movies. No, totally fair. Okay. I mean, that's your opinion. There's nothing wrong with that. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. <laughs> what did you think, Mr. Alex? Well, you guys know me, and I love Stephen McHattie. I love Pool and many of his other roles. I just dig Stephen McHattie in particular. He reminds me of, like, you know, Canada's Harry Dean Stanton. You know, only maybe a bit cooler and wilder. Uh-huh. Do you know who Harry Dean Stanton no, is? No, no idea. You ever seen Wild at Heart or yeah, he was the... You love Wild at Heart. I do love I Wild at Heart. It's a Lynch movie that, that I love. Crazy. It's probably one of my favorite movies of Lynch's other than like, you know, Lost Highway. That's the one. Oh. Yeah. I was going to say Derp. that too. I was going to say that. God damn it. Well, I like a lot of his stuff. I mean, he's done a lot of different things. A lot of people, he's an acquired taste for Lynch. But the reason I bring that up is because I feel like this is probably Bruce McDonald's more artistic and most Lynchian, maybe even Cronenberg attempt uh, to date. I would say definitely more Lynch because Lynch has this sort of jazzy, noir kind of feel to him mm-hmm. um, that adds in some weird moments and probably a little bit more eclectic moments than what Bruce is going for. Bruce kind of melds them together really well as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I think um, Lynch's probably has a little bit more standout moments, uh, weird moments than what Bruce does in this film. And, and I'm not I'm sorry to compare if, if Bruce hears this or Tony hears this or whatever, because like I highly respect both of them. I'm just making a comparison for other people to understand that this is a very obscure artsy and only could come from the mind of like Bruce and Tony. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. they're a team that works together on a lot of different films because they both kind of get each other you know um there's definitely a meaning to this movie but i'm not exactly sure what it is (laughs) (laughs) and and that may be fine maybe they didn't really want to have a meaning and they just kind of wanted to like live in that weird space uh and make a movie that lives in that weird space the it just feels like a dream which makes sense because after all it's called dreamland you know very apropos name for this movie very much so but this is definitely a more artistic take on all of his work 
like Bruce, Tony. There's there's has to be a reason. I almost feel stupid that I can't figure it out. You know what I mean? Like I normally am pretty good about these kind of heady works too. So also for fans of Pontypool, you will be very happy to know that there is a slight tie-in here. Slight. For fans of the movie. I won't say exactly what just yet. I think if you are interested in that in any degree, it's it's maybe not be what you expect. But it is a part of the movie, Pontypool. It's the stuff that happened at the very end of the credits. I'll just give you that. And I won't say what it is. We'll talk about it more in the spoilers. But as I mentioned before with Hellions, I really do get the feeling that Bruce McDonald and Tony are all about that mystery, that vibe. They're, you know, not afraid to break most sort of film methods or styles or tropes or, you know, how movies they'd like to kind of work outside of the structure of a regular film. Mm-hmm. And that I think that's why Pontypool was so successful mm-hmm. is because it wasn't your typical story and it lives sort of outside that realm and didn't follow the rules of a regular film 100 percent. It kind right. of was very meta. And these movies are all very meta if you think about it. Um, for them, I think their movies are more about riding the wave, like I said, rather than standing and fighting against the wave. Mm-hmm. So also, this isn't a really a horror movie, by the way, guys, although I figured it would suffice since one, it's Bruce McDonald Two, it has a vampire character, which I won't spoil. And there is mild gore, but it's more of a mystery, noir, trippy film, fever dream film that has this like weird balance of really great characters and depth. I just don't personally know what that depth is. So <laughs> some people who don't really care about maybe having this particular message laid out for them might really love this film. And I don't think it's a bad film. I actually would probably give this one a six after further thought about it, but not one that I would watch again. Like it's right. I feel like it's too much to give it a five because I think it deserves more credit than just average because it is so unique. You okay. Can, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, maybe I might not watch this one a lot. I'll probably, I might pick it up just because of the tie-in to Pontypool, because right. that's like a 9-10 movie for me. Right. Um, it's done well. It's got excellent direction, acting, great shots, dialogue, plenty of weird to be had. It does take a really long time for it to get kicked, you know, going. And that is, I think, one of its biggest problems with this film is that it's, if it's going to be slow, it's going to be hard for you to try to pick up the nuance that they're trying to convey i think that makes sense it needed a little bit more pop to it i think and it it does feel like it exists outside the realm of reason at times like i mentioned it reminded me of lynch so much so it's hard not to like other times probably like leon the professional they call it also right that french film with um jean renault where he saves that girl from like this this thing it really feels like that in a lot of ways but not as good as that film in particular because there's a lot more action in that film but again this is a smaller budget film so you can't really necessarily go there although we do get to see henry rollins and juliet lewis who i think did great jobs in their roles i think they everybody fits really well their characters wise Uh it's just a little slower and it needed to be picked up a little bit more so earlier i don't mean to compare it to things like lynch and all these other things that i keep mentioning but you know it is its own thing it's very unique it's not exactly a movie for me 100% but I do like the slight tie-in I think it was really sly of Tony and Bruce and everybody to kind of like reunite that I got some information on that in the trivia by the way so we'll talk about that and we'll also talk about it when we get to the spoiler section as well so 
If you look up the meaning of dreamland and the Merriam-Webster's definition, it is an unreal, delightful country existing only in imagination or in dreams. Never Never Land is an example. And that it is a movie that even belongs there deeply nestled into the brain cracks of a crime thriller noir sort of person. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And there's also more trivia on that as well. I found out after writing this. So... I think the acting is like an eight. I think the visuals are an eight. The direction is an eight. The story is actually pretty cool, but too slow. So probably like a six there, five, you know, depending like the, the elements are there. It's just something didn't push it into the great spectrum for me. I don't know what it is, but right. I love both Tony and Bruce. I respect them greatly, but it just feels like a more of a personal art piece made for someone in specific or a few people specifically than it is for necessarily me. That makes sense. So I don't necessarily relate to it, but I respect it nonetheless. Mm -hmm. So it's really rough for me to, to rate this one. If you can't tell, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this is going to be a movie for everybody. This is a very niche film. Uh huh. Um, so, you know, but view at your own risk. I think it's worth at least watching to see for yourself. I'd like to find people who loved it because that would make me happy because it kind of <laughs> hurts me to like, you know, because I, I I love them. I love how eccentric and weird these guys are and they just go for it. These guys get movies made that would no way get made by any other director or any other writer. Right. And it's just like these are dream movies that you just like, how did they get these money for this kind of stuff? You know, and they right. just they make it happen. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say. So you said a five, I get if it's six. So, um, so 5.5 between the two of us, I think is pretty fair. Mm -hmm. Um, it's unfortunate. I wished it would have been more for me <laughs> and you. Right. But yeah, it is very unique. It happens. Yeah. It happens. But we do have some pretty cool trivia that I hope you guys will stick around for. This is the spoiler section, of course. So if you don't want anything spoiled, I highly recommend you at least rent the movie to check it out or catch it on a streaming service when it is available. Um, but there is some pretty interesting trivia that I have that talks about Pontypool and things in here, too. So I know that might drive you nuts, but I would say not to spoil the movie, even though it wouldn't really spoil it anyway. Right. It's more about the ride. So, right. So this is your warning. First of all, this is a movie that was shot in Luxembourg. Where's Luxembourg? <laughs> it's actually a country. Oh, it's a country. Yeah. It's actually its own European country surrounded by Belgium, France, and Germany. Oh, okay. So, but they picked it. <laughs> and uh, Stephen McHattie said, you know, we're, we're Canadian, so we want to go to places that are warm. <laughs> Er. <laughs> so they went to Luxembourg to shoot and everybody shot there and they said it was beautiful and it was just great there. So Oh, that's cool. Bruce and Tony Burgess apparently liked the idea of Chet Baker, the trumpet player and singer who did jazz. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, if you guys didn't know, Stephen McHattie did a movie called The Deaths of Chet Baker where he played him and he showed it to Bruce and Tony and they decided to put them together and mix that character that he played as Chet Baker into this movie. So is that why he played the two characters? Well, I'll get to that in a little bit. Oh, but okay. they thought to themselves, well, what would a dream in the mind of Chet Baker look like? And this is essentially what they came up with. So that jazz thing I was talking about, uh -huh. that Lynchian thing, uh -huh. very much like that. That's probably why they oh. called it Dreamland. Okay. Now, Bruce even mentioned that it was a good movie to get high to. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Um, I've not seen the deaths of Chet Baker with Stephen McHattie in it, and I didn't even know he didn't. I guess he was just a very famous musician that I didn't know about. I mean, I actually used to play jazz, believe it or not. Alto sax um, jazz, which, you know, oh. um, I was second chair in oh, the jazz at, band. Look at you. I, I even got to do my own solos. Oh, look at you on the saxophone. And I did the solos on the spot live. So I was confident enough to just go off and do my own thing. Right. And bring it back. That's cool. Which is weird thinking back to that. Like, you know how intense that is as a kid? Right. In high school to play a fucking jazz solo? No, I do not. It's scary. I bet. (laughs) Um, But part of the reason that this movie came about is that, and why this team reunited for this movie, is because they've been trying to get a sequel to the Pontypool movie, which would, you know, the book is called Pontypool Changes Everything. So the next step was going to be Pontypool Changes. But when I talked to Tony, because I had Tony Burgess on, guys, and I'll put a link down below for you to check out that interview. If you're a fan of Pontypool or have seen it before and you want to check out a really great interview, that's a really great interview. It gives you some insight. There is stuff in that interview that I knew before all of these other publications ever came out and said stuff because they were going to call the sequel to Pontypool Typo Chan, which Tony told me in that interview years ago, mm-hmm. like four years ago almost now. Uh huh. Um, which McCaddy said that they couldn't get the money for. Right. And that's why, because it recently it was like a year ago, I think, that they were talking about getting a sequel. I even wrote Tony and was like, oh, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Mm-hmm. I was like, let me come out there. I want to be a part of it. <laughs> um, but McCaddy talked about uh, um, this on the Consequence of Sound podcast that I just watched today to kind of get some information on that. Mm-hmm. But it's a real shame that they didn't make that sequel because it would have been McCaddy's character in the movie Pontypool was Mazzy. He was a radio DJ. And his it's from his perspective of hearing all this fucked up things happening outside of the radio station, right? Mm-hmm. And... The, the movie would have been everything that happened simultaneously outside from the perspective outside and hearing Mazzy oh. on the radio. Oh, that's, oh, so that the, would have been interesting. Yeah, the helicopter guy who's yeah. just in his car and all this other stuff, it would have been from there. So that I'm really cool. sad about that because, like, you know, it's not, I'm not, not to say this any disrespect, but McCaddy's getting up there and yeah. it sucks that no producers can see the, the, the potential. Yeah, because be, the reason why people don't see the potential in it is because they don't realize how cult of a film that is now. Right. That movie took like seven years to become the status that it is everybody hated it when they did their test screenings so they hang on to that that's so stupid and this movie has blown up and like people love the film right where they didn't before it came to netflix and all of a sudden oh yeah bam that's everybody loved it right well not everybody but most a lot more people than they did when they first test screened it so there would have been a third one too which would have been even more out there in meta he called it. Uh-huh. So, but at least we still have the first movie, so whatever. Sorry. I just, that's my little tangent. When I get a chance to talk about Pontypool, I'm going to do it. He's very passionate about Pontypool. It's one of my top ten movies. Like, it probably is my top five because I you, talk about it so much. You read his book, too, didn't you? Yeah, I have the book out there. It got, I was gifted to me because I was such a fan of the movie. Right. By uh, Devin's ex-girlfriend, actually. Right. Yeah. But they wanted to have McCaddy play two roles in this because, and this you asked earlier, is to help them be more dreamlike in element but there's no specific reason why that was his answer like in element so to give it more of a dream feel it's that 
didn't stand out to me. Did it to you? I mean, since he what do you said mean that, stand out to me? I don't understand. I, it it just it didn't make sense to me. It didn't to him either. That's what he said. He didn't know why he put it in there. <laughs> okay. It was just to make it weird. Okay, well, I guess that worked. To make it more dreamlike. But dreamlike, that's where I, I'm getting hung up on. Because that- in your dreams, you sometimes envision yourself, like, okay, for example, when you dream of a bad guy coming around killing people, maybe it's you killing off a piece of you. Okay, so, I, I just said So the character like that McCaddy played as this dream character named Johnny Deadeyes, which is from Pontypool, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Okay. Um, is like a manifestation of himself. Right. When you dream and you're in the mind of Chet Baker, that character might be somebody that's killing off a piece of himself subconsciously. Okay. So when I dream about my teeth falling out, it means something. When I dream about an assassin killing somebody, it means something. It's personal. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I still don't see it as a dream, but... Well, it's that's what the movie... I told you. They said that was this is the dream of Chet Baker. Okay. So... Which the movie kicks off with McHattie just like fucking murking people, like fucking human children trafficking, <laughs> um, just fucking shooting them all in the face. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like his line that he won't cross. He doesn't mind stopping child trafficking mm-hmm. and he doesn't even mind like regular human trafficking, apparently. But child trafficking is where he is an assassin. That's his line. That's his line. And so this is a like a redemption arc from uh-huh. the beginning of the movie of him redeeming himself in the mind of Chet Baker. Oh, okay. Somehow. I'm not saying that this actually happened in Chet Baker's mind or anything like that. There's I'm sure they didn't mean that. Right. They were just this is just a dream. So but yeah, it's interesting how his character goes and how Henry Rollins is the scumbag character who is, that's totally not Henry Rollins. So it's kind of nice to see him in this dark, mm-hmm. fucked up place. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Henry Rollins in this? I didn't like his character. Well, right. But well, you, I know you weren't supposed to like his character, but it was more, I didn't, I didn't. You like mean to tell me you didn't connect, you didn't connect character. with a child uh, trafficker? <laughs> no. <laughs> God, Christina, you're soulless. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I just mean, did you enjoy his his particular? Do you think it was like uh, I didn't something different for him or something? Maybe? I guess it was different, but it wasn't like a good different. Okay, what about Juliet Lewis? It, it was standard. Did you think she did her job well? I think she did her job. Okay, so just not well. Yeah, you just, it wasn't like a standout performance for her. Oh no. Right. I mean, really, it's just about the Stephen McHattie show for the most part. Yeah, but pretty much. Which was weird and which unique. He did really good. It's kind of weird. Role. It's kind of well, yeah, because she's like saying things in this dreamlike world where she's like, "Oh, we're gonna have him get married to this child, and my brother's a vampire." And uh, yeah, which also that was a like what? There's vampires in this. Well, like- they're having that soiree. She's having the soiree where it's going to be like all of these people from all of existence. Like there's Nazis or the German dog. There's yeah, it, there's like, like the what? New World Order guys that she doesn't want to sit next to the military guys because then they'll get into a fight. Right. And there's like some symbolism in there that they're trying to make that where this whole world is sitting in this. You know, mm-hmm. it just exists outside of reality. And they even mention it in the movie mm-hmm. because he's like, what the fuck is going on there? And he's like, this exists. It's not reality. Right. Remember, he says yeah, he that. He did say that. He did. Like he says it to himself. Right. Right. Chet Baker does. Right. So right. there's a moment where they verge and almost kind of has that. Um, what's the guy who did uh, Johnny Donnie Darko? 
He did that other movie where it was like with the rock, Dwayne, the rock Johnson follows the other guy who was, um, Slater from fucking American pie, American. Yeah. I don't know. The, the druggy kid who plays a cop. And then like, he sees himself. If you guys know what I'm talking about, some city or whatever. And the Dwayne, the rock Johnson plays the president of the United States in this dreamlike world. You've never seen that. No. Huh. You have. You know what it is. You just, I just can't oh, think of the name of it. Sorry. Someone will tell us. Anyway, just that specific tie-in with the two of them, Chet and the assassin guy who both McCaddy plays, kind of reminded me of that weird dimensional thing. Oh, okay. So. The vampire comes looking for his bride. Yeah. With Henry Rollins. I like that scene. Yeah, that guy that plays him is pretty good, huh? Yeah, he was he was good. I think it was a little bit campy. He wasn't like over the top, but he was a very flamboyant sure. uh type of vampire. And it was good it was a good scene when they were in um Hercules's little Yeah, Hercules little thing. being Henry Rollins character. Right. For those and of you who haven't seen it. For the bride. And then what happened like yeah, he's looking for a child bride because she's a virgin, because they right. like virgin blood. I don't know why he's marrying yeah. her in the movie. It's yeah, just like, really well, weird. Was he going to turn? I was like, is he going to turn her into a vampire? Like, well, why would he get, go through all that? Juliet Lewis is the countess of Luxembourg uh-huh. or wherever they are. Some outside world. She's like some some hierarchy there. But her brother is a vampire and he is royalty. So him getting married. So there may be some oh, some weird shit to that. I don't know. Who knows? And then uh, towards the, so there's the wedding, right? So they're at the wedding, and then when shit starts going down, now that that was kind of a cool scene. That was a, that was a cool scene. That was a cool wedding too. For even though it was a child bride, right? Like so. For an example, guys, like you know when you see those like Tarantino ass movies where the, the, all these different elements c- crash into one another. So you follow all these different little mm-hmm. stories and they crash in that segment at the third act where it like really goes off. That's this. That's what this part was. Right. And everyone was there. And then, you know, of course, everybody starts shooting each other. Assassin like, McCaddy is trying, is been told by Hercules, played by Henry, Henry Rollins, to get the darkened black fingernail of the trumpet player, Chet Baker. Right. Who is also played by Stephen McCaddy, but he ends up cutting off his own finger to kind of prevent Chet from getting his finger cut off, yeah, which didn't really make sense. That didn't make any sense. But they're playing at the reception at the wedding and everybody's around from all the New World Order and all these different, like, hands the finger that he cut off himself, who has the blackened nail for some reason because he's a part of Chet. Chet's mind, I guess. Right. He hands it to Henry Rollins and he's like, oh, why did you give this to me? I thought I, I shot you and tried to kill you. And he was like, you did. he's like but i'm still here you know and he's like and then all of a sudden like everybody starts he shoots the ceiling he's like wait why does he have a finger because like henry rollins is confused as shit hercules is confused as shit and he's like firing his gun off and then everybody starts shooting each other while chet baker is playing a fucking song one of his songs well he was singing and he's singing off i'm sorry well he was playing trumpet and then he started singing started singing while everyone was shooting and they were trying to get out of there right but it was cool like while it was all going off yeah but honestly it kind of bugged me his singing kind of bothered me i don't know about you i was like i I don't think it was supposed to be good or anything it was just supposed to be you know i don't know okay i guess i don't know who that stood out to me and i was i don't know if that's actually chet baker singing and they just put it in there or if it's him i couldn't tell oh i don't know 
So right. I don't I don't know much about Jet Baker. But yeah, that was a cool scene. And I don't mean to to backtrack, but I just got to mention one more really cool scene that we didn't talk about. Um it was when the assassin went into the antique store to get the trumpet. Yeah, I remember that where the woman pulls the gun on him. Yeah. And tells him, I need a favor from you. You need to shoot my husband. Right. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. And then he ended up clicking his gun and there was like no bullets or it, it didn't go off. And he's like, I'm sorry. And, and like, just oh, walks shit. away. <laughs> he just walks out. And then the, the, the husband's just like staring at his wife. And everything goes back to normal. But yeah. again, it's a fucking dream. So yeah, I guess. It was so fu- that part was really funny. Sorry, I did mean to backtrack. but No, just, no, no, no. That's it, fine. I, I, it came those, into my, that moment came into my head. Those moments are those dream elements, I think, or those moments you see in a Tarantino-esque film where it's like these really cool, unique moments. But they in this movie, for whatever reason, they didn't. It was cool. Right. But it wasn't as cool as I wanted it to exactly. be. Exactly. Yeah. Like, exactly. I felt like it could have had more impact. I know. And that scene in particular, I thought it, like, since they appeared again, I thought that would come up again, but it didn't. Like, there would be tension or something with the husband. Sure. And wife, but there yeah. really wasn't. It was they just kind of, like, left it at that. Steamroll over that. It's, yeah. like, no big deal. Yeah. But I did think it was really funny. There I'm is some really cool happened. stuff in it. And maybe if we watch it again a second yeah. time, it might get better for exactly. us. Because, I mean, like, I've watched so many movies the first time and I just didn't get it or I didn't like it right. at first because I was expecting something maybe. Right. And then I watched it out of the blue and, and boom, there it is. Right. But, yeah. So, I don't know. You know, the end, we'll talk Look. about the end here because this is the part where right. it ties into Pontypool and we realize because throughout the whole movie, they won't tell you who Assassin McHattie is. Everybody right. keeps, the kids keep asking him who he is because he's helping them. The shopkeepers were asking what his name was. What's your name? And he just walks away yeah. every time until the very end where Lisa Huell has been in the movie a couple of times. He's in the, she's in the very beginning. He walks into this like bar slash, uh, cabaret was room. Was she a hooker? I, I, didn't, I think, prosti- I think she was a prostitute. Yeah. She was just in there and I think that's his wife, by the way. Oh, really? I think. Oh, okay. I'm not a hundred percent sure because when I was re listening to the interview with Tony, mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Oh, well, it's okay. But they know each other pretty well. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're in them together. Uh, but it was also a reunion. So they wanted to have some part in there for her. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's at the end of the movie with him and they're riding on this boat. With the children. Right. So Lisa, the children, and he says his name is Johnny, which immediately I was like, Johnny from the end of Pontypool. This is before I knew all this stuff. I was like, the end of Pontypool. I think his name was Johnny something. And I and I mentioned it to you and you were like, oh, that's his name in the movie is Johnny Deadeyes. Yeah, because it said in IMDb. And then you went and got the Pontypool disc and we watched the end of Pontypool. Yeah, we watched the the Blu-ray of that at the very end just to see it. And it said Johnny Deadeyes. And I was like, there it is. So that was a nice little weird, obscure end thing of the credits piece that doesn't really fit into the whole Pontypool movie. So it's not necessarily tied to it. It is in this weird sense because there's actually a pretty interesting story that Tony told Uh me and even Steve McHattie did on that podcast that I listened to. The producers of Pontypool were a nightmare. (laughs) And he even said that some of them went to prison. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. And he said that they... uh, 
were kind of a nightmare and they wouldn't let him film the stuff that they would. And they were like, no, we won't film this ending that you want. They did the regular ending of Pontypool, but at the very end, at the end of the credits, uh-huh. that was one that the entire cast did for free. Everybody that worked on there for free after they did the last minute of shooting. Mm-hmm. So they all did it for free just to have it done and put it in the movie. But they were like, yeah, we'll put it in, but you have to put it after the credits. Oh. So. And Which it, is good, I think. Yeah. Because it, it, it makes it separate from the film, kind of. And the weird thing is, is that Tony Burgess told me that the ending after the credits of Pontypool was almost a, it was an early script thing that they were going to be doing the characters. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was an early script that he wrote in general or one that was connected to Pontypool or what it was, but he called it cosmology, like the the science and the origin of development of the universe. So he calls it oh. cosmology. That's what he meant by that. Okay. So I'm not entirely sure exactly what that means, but the same characters are there and it's probably just their way of saying, we wish we could have done Pontypool 2. You know, this movie means a lot to us Mm -hmm. because it's so weird how that movie has become so popular and such a huge underground cult hit. Right. When everybody hated it. Right. And nobody thought of it. So I don't know. I don't know. I still like this movie. There's some things in it that I like, but it is a a little bit of a slow ride. I think most people are going to think it's a four or five, two. And I'm a little more biased because of my, you know, connection, my fandom, your heart. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I think that there's a, there's, I, I just admire these guys sitting down with Tony Burgess was probably like one of my biggest fanboy moments I've ever had. And you talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) It's one of your golden. You really need to listen to that fucking uh, thing. So I'll put the YouTube link down below so you guys can hear it. He's got a really fascinating guy. And I really need to get like, I really should have Stephen McCaddy and Bruce McDonald on sometime to talk to them because I would Mm -hmm. love to talk to them about their craziness. (laughs) (laughs) So. But yeah, that's pretty much it for the episode this week. Do we even know what we're going to do next week? Oh, I was just going to ask you. Oh, Flesh-Eating Mothers and Spookies. Oh, okay. Those two are ones that I really want to do. Yeah, I want to see the Flesh-Eating Mothers. That looks interesting. I think they'll be fun. Those are both Vinegar Syndrome releases, and I think that they're both up on uh, Prime, but I'll have to check to see if they are. Because they're kind of new error movies, and they don't necessarily release those ones just up on uh, VOD or on Shutter oh, and stuff like that. Okay. But those are two, like, creature feature kind of films, you know? Flesh-Eating Mothers and Spooky seem to be kind of the tongue-in-cheek funny stuff. Uh-huh. So they kind of fit together a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. And I know we might have done Spookies in the past, too, but... Oh, really? I... I uh, I always go, ah, eh, we didn't do the treatment for it because, like, we used to do five movies in an episode, guys. <laughs> I mean, I don't you, know why you guys, I don't know. Because I wanted to see so many movies. And then I realized <laughs> it was just not, in order to give them the fair treatment. Right. Since I wasn't, that's the thing. I was, I was planning for movies that I, you know, I don't, the, the option is there to redo a movie and go back and see what I think of the movie again. That's always there. Uh huh. I could do that years from now. Right. But ultimately, I want to do it justice enough so I don't necessarily need to go back to it. Mm-hmm. It's more about finding new movies that I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. So, that makes sense. Let's do it. All right, guys. So well, next week, we're going to be watching Spookies from 1986 Ugh. and Flesh Eating Mothers from 1988. Ugh, <laughs> 80s, rough. 80s, 80s. I love fucking yeah. 80s. Yes, you do. <laughs> God damn it. Suck a dick. <laughs>
<laughs> anyway, guys, thank you so much for coming by and putting up with our antics and our fucking uh, love of horror films. I hope you enjoy it. If you know somebody that would enjoy it like you do, please let them know and share this podcast with somebody because it really does help us to reach more people that are like you. And we're going to be doing a giveaway here soon. So if you haven't signed up, you might want to do that in the near future so we'll we'll try to give away something for you we'll wipe it down do all the like you know stuff to make sure it doesn't get you sick or anything like that before we put it away we'll treat it like we would ourselves which is very severe and strict (laughs) right (laughs) anything that comes in or out is always wiped down like a motherfucker (laughs) so so keep an eye out for that make sure you sign up at our vip club on the website you can just go there and at the top it says btv vip club sign up there it's on the front page too so if you want to do it there you can do it there as well Uh, but we thank you guys so much for your support each week and uh, as always